We have a ton to do, Chris. I still feel a little bit overloaded. I've got a lot of article ideas sitting in the hopper ready to pump out. We've been putting out pictures. We've been putting out videos. we got a photo gallery coming. we got a whole bunch of stuff. And tonight's podcast live stream on a Friday because we got home late Wednesday. and Or was it? Was it Wednesday? It was what Thursday. Day, what day did we get home? No, dude, we got home Thursday afternoon. We were thinking about going live from Mackinac on Wednesday night while we were up there. And that eh, it just didn't really work out. It wasn't going to be the move. So we decided to come home. We were going to do it Thursday night, but then we got home from that a little later. You had to pick up your kids. We, I mean, it just it was like a never-ending thing for like five, six days there. So we decided to push it to today. So here we are. Friday night. Feels a little bit different. We're only on YouTube. I don't know if the numbers are going to reflect that or what that's going to mean, but this is we're doing this in order to try to drive a little bit of traffic to the YouTube page. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. And uh, yeah, we're trying to get this thing launched off a little bit more for the season before that happens. And so that's why we decided to do it here. So anyway, there you go on that. We have a very, very, very full show because we just had a very, very, very full week. Uh, I mean, yeah. going back to like Wednesday or Thursday last week. I mean, Chris, I don't even, I honestly don't even know what days we were where. Like, what, when was Flint? When was Lansing? When was Grand Rapids? We were in Indy somewhere in there. We drove all the way from Indianapolis to Mackinac City after 5 p.m. Don't recommend. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just a couple of 38-year-old road dogs while our families and wives just tried to make it, make it through. It was a lot. You know what? You learn a lot about your body uh, when you're on the road for that long. I mean, I feel like we're not, you know, we're not on the verge of death or anything. You know, we're still, we can get around. We're mobile. It's, you know, we can move, but man, sitting in that car, like we talked about it. I felt like I needed lumbar support. I felt like I needed one of those beaded, you know, chair covers that you put. I I needed the whole, the whole deal, man. My back is still hurt. I feel like Costanza right now. I can't turn right. I can't go right <laughs> or was it left? Whatever he, I can't remember which one he couldn't do. I can't go right right now. I've got a, I don't know if it was sitting it's in a burnt car. tip is what it is. It's a, a burnt, burnt tip egg. and it's a marshmallow lager. What is it? Marshmallow pancake, waffle Fluff lager, a fluffer nut. Who the hell drinks beer called a fluffer nutter? It was basically it. a waffle in a cup. Without getting down on one of these right now, get you a little DM real fast, a little dragon's wow. milk. That'll set you off just right. This guy just doesn't stop. He's a machine. Yeah. So my back is still not a hundred percent, not doing well at all, but we're here, man. And what a freaking trip it was, dude. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Cause it was a blast. Uh, the stuff we saw, the stuff we were able to do the time we were able to spend with the players and the different coaches, Jim Harbaugh, uh, the staff of the Michigan football team, the equipment guys. I mean, from top to bottom, man, we got to rub elbows and talk to a lot of these dudes in a lot of different ways and got to see them experience a lot of things that 
the in-state kids that hadn't done and certainly the out-of-region kids had never done when you're no talking question. about the state of Michigan and all that it can offer. So I'll, we'll, we'll take it back. We'll take it back to the first stop, Chris, which was Flint. And there was a Boys and Girls Club event going on. There was some volunteering taking place at the jail, the Genesee County Jailhouse, where Jim Harbaugh's handing out meals. And if you guys don't know about the dude named Chris Swanson, <laughs> he is the sheriff of Genesee, Genesee County. I hope I'm getting that right. And not Genesee County Sheriff. Yes. The dude is what what was what you really liked the way that I described him while we were driving after we left that place because it was like bananas. Uh, a downed power line. Yes. That in the sense that it is really fun and cool to look at from a good safe distance. But if you get too close to, to Chris Swanson, you might get electrocuted. That yeah. guy has that much energy to where I think if the lights go out, he still glows. Like you can see him just the aura around him. I've, I've, there's some people that you just meet and you can tell, like they're just destined to do what they're doing. Like this guy is like, I, I can't describe it, man. The guy just oozes energy to the point where Jim Harbaugh was physically trying to get some of it to rub off from Swanson to himself, rubbing shoulders with the sheriff there. Yeah, I, it was, I don't know if you have it readily available, Chris. I know we don't do like just hold the phone screen up much, but if you've got that photo of that guy, it, I mean, it does. A, yeah, it does a pretty good job of kind of outlining what kind of dude we're talking about here. Um, but he, he was just the energy level was through the roof. And not only was the energy level through the roof, but. But the guy is doing incredible things. I'm going to let you do the picture first. <laughs> here we go. This this sums up this man. I mean, full of energy, full of life, beaming with with light. Uh, just <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, man. Like I I struggle in the morning. Like I'm not a morning guy. You know, I got to have either a coffee or some sort of beverage to get me going. I feel like this guy sleeps with his eyes open or goes into like standby mode, like how computers like shut down, but they don't really shut down like that sort of deal. Well, we learned we learned that he gets up at like two in the morning. He's in the gym by like 3 a.m. And then he's, he's in the office by four or something, five something. And he just goes and goes and goes and goes. Jim Harbaugh was physically touching him and rubbing on his <laughs> arms and stuff, trying to get some of that energy. Jim Harbaugh invited him and some of his staff to be honorary team captains for a game this fall. I, I mean, dude, like I said, we're kind of making fun of him a little bit because he's just, ugh, he's just, he's in your face. But the work he's doing there was incredible. He talked about incredible. that with the team. Big Carter Selzer, an honorary, legitimate honorary sheriff of of Genesee County. That was a pretty cool moment. All the players thought that was really sweet. And we all got to go around and help deliver meals to some of the inmates. And, man, I tell you what, dude, some of those guys are down bad, and you know they are. And, you know, there was a little bit of light. There was a little bit of light around there for a little while because Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football players were in there talking to those dudes, giving them something to just smile about for a little bit. Jim Harbaugh, and I, I don't know how this happened, but there was – a handful, a small handful of media people there covering the event. And I don't really know how it happened, but I ended up being the only one who went with Jim Harbaugh. So at one point in the elevator, it was me, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Chris Wise, who was with Randy Wise Chevrolet, I believe, or Randy Wise Auto Dealers, Auto Dealerships, was part of the re uh, part of the reason this event was taking place. And then one of the officers, that was it. It was the four of us in an elevator going up to the intake area where a lot of these guys had just been brought in either the day before or the day before that. They usually spend 
anywhere between one and two days in this intake area. And so they literally are like just in there and not, not having a good time. Maybe haven't even told their families what's going on with them yet. And here's Jim Harbaugh talking football, talking the Super Bowl, talking Michigan season, talking beating Ohio state and beating Michigan state, handing them their food and just chopping it up with them for a minute. And it ended up being a really cool experience. I mean, I had never seen anything like that before. I didn't really know what to expect. Chris, I know you were in like the, you were in it. Like you were in it, in it dude, where the, the inmates are walking around. And like, I know for, even at a couple moments you were like, bro, I don't really know if this is like the most secure thing I've ever done right here. Well, it's, you only see, like, I've only ever seen anything like that on TV. I've never been inside of, of a jail before. And it was, I mean, it was the real deal. It was orange jumpsuits. It was, you know, 25 guys eating over here, 25 guys eating over there. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was an incredible experience. And I think to, to your point earlier, yeah, we were kind of, you know, poking at Swanson a little bit there, just given how energetic he is. But like I said, there's some people that you can tell are just, you know, they, they are here for a purpose. And that guy I think is, is exactly where he needs to be in the ignite program. You know, they had a couple of guys who were rehabilitated through that program. Uh, one guy served 29 years. Yeah. Another guy served over 20 years and they're going around with Swanson and they're helping rehabilitate people. And it's, it's really cool. They're putting them through a program where they get a degree by the time they get out, they have a job, a, a union job lined up and it's, it's really made a huge difference and, and a really big impact. And so I, you know, it, I don't want to speak on behalf of the ignite program because I'm not as well versed in it, but all I can say is Genesee County is better with a guy like Swanson out there doing what he's doing. I think it, the, the outreach has been incredible. Well, to Chris's point and Malachi kind of laughing a little bit, Chris, you were terrified, thought you were going to get shanked. <laughs> Dude, yeah. they're right there. I mean, they could yeah. do whatever. It's, let it's, me put it this way. Let, let me put it this way. Four of, you know, Correct. four of us. Correct. So, uh, you know, let me put it this way. If, if there was a day for something to pop off, wouldn't it be when like the guy with the cameras in there and like, you know what I mean? Like that, that would be the day. And so, no, I mean, yeah, there was absolutely real danger there. It was the, um, what the Genesee County was it Genesee County jail that we were in. Yeah. 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 So, you know, real danger, but to their credit, everybody that I came in contact with was nice and pleasant and easy to talk to. And I know that, you know, everybody makes mistakes and things happen, but absolutely there was, you know, real danger there for sure. But you know, just a great group of people that, that I came into contact with. Everybody was very helpful and nice. And it was an incredible experience. I think for these guys to be able to go out there, hand out lunches and, you know, have that type of impact and that type of outreach. And that's part of what this whole trip around the state has been. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up the Flint chapter with this, just to speak to what Chris was just saying and kind of give you an idea of what's going on there and with Sheriff Swanson and how he's doing. He said, he said to, to Chris's, to Chris's point, Absolutely real danger. If one of those guys wanted to do something, they could do it. But part of what Sheriff Swanson has put into place has created an environment and a culture there where that stuff just doesn't really happen. The year that he took over, they talked about this, the year that he took over, they had 364 assaults in that building. And that's almost one a day. I'm sure there were some days where there was probably 10 and other days where there weren't any. But the number stuck with me because it was almost the same exact number as the days are in a year. There were 364 the year he took over. Was it eight years ago? I think he said. Maybe not even that long. Yeah. It hasn't been that long. Last year in 2021, there were seven. Like, that's unbelievable to me. I don't know how you can put that many dudes in that tight of quarters 
in, in that kind of situation and only have seven fights in a whole year. Like you get more than that at like a random middle school. Like that's unbelievable. We almost right. fought more than that on our road trip. Right, right. Like that's unbelievable to me that they have created this culture and this environment where respect is given, respect is earned and, and it's working. It's clearly working. And it was just a really cool, cool thing to see. And again, like just a, a quick minute, a quick minute of, of light for these dudes by seeing the Michigan football players, seeing Jim Harbaugh and chopping it up a little bit. It was really cool to see. So that's yeah, how, yeah. that's how the day in Flint went the very next day we were in Lansing at the state Capitol. Um, and for me, I, if, unless my memory is failing me, I don't think I had ever been there before. Now, maybe in school at some point we went on a trip and I just don't remember it. I know I didn't go there in college and I mean, for me, it was cool. It was really neat to see all that stuff. I know the players were into it. The The building itself is incredible. They had tours going on, and they were teaching guys about this and about that and taking it all in and doing big team photos and all of that stuff. And, you know, Coach Harbaugh was there again. He showed up a little bit after everybody else. I think he was off doing something. That was kind of a common theme, too. How busy that dude is on this incredible trip. <laughs> he's off doing interviews, and he's with Gene Wojciechowski, and he's with this, and he's with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a lot of team bonding and a lot going on. And I, I enjoyed my time at the Capitol and I'm about as least political as 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 you can get. I'm not really into that stuff. I'm not very educated on it. I'll admit it. But it was cool for me to see it and learn a little bit about what was going on. And I don't want to call it boring because it's not boring, but it wasn't like a high intensity, high activity type of deal. But I still think the players got a lot out of it. It seemed like that on the surface anyway. I don't know, Chris, what was, you had been there a couple other times you said, so it was like yeah. not quite as new for you as it was for me, but I still thought it was a good time. Well, first, first time in the building, I think as an adult and I, you know, it, when I was a college kid, I didn't fully appreciate shit like that. Now I think these guys are a little bit differently wired than, you know, maybe somebody like you or I was back then, but you know, to walk in a building that has so much history and there's so many things that happen there and be able to walk down the halls and get to see some of the intricacies of the building. I thought it was just really cool. And it, you know, the guys seem to really appreciate that portion of the trip. Again, you know, you're walking through a Capitol building, so it's not like you're going to be dazzled by, you know, bright, shiny things and flashy things or whatever the case is. But Again, it was, it, you know, it's an important building to the state of Michigan. And I think it was cool that those guys, you know, th there's no other reason for any of those guys to go there. So I think that's kind of the point of this trip is let's take these guys out to see some things that they might not see otherwise. And that was a pretty cool way to start it off. Plus now, granted, it was not East Lansing, Brandon. And I think you learned yeah. the lesson the hard way, but I the Michigan know. Wolverines did bring the big 10 championship into Lansing city limits just so that. I think the folks around there could be around greatness a little bit. I think they need it there in Lansing. They want to taste it. Everybody seemed to be excited around it. So that was pretty cool. Maybe the reflection off the trophy blasted yeah. someone in the eye and that's as close yeah. as we can get to it for yeah. that, that, that given time. But no, it was really cool. The picture, you know, the pictures in front of the Capitol building and then inside each of the rooms and then inside where the giant, I don't even know what, the, what, did it have an official name? I'm sure it did. I don't remember what they called it, but like the, the dome is up there and you can see the stars painted way yeah. up there. You've got some constellations painted. All the governor's photos are in there. Uh, portraits are in there. And it was just, it was cool, man. It was cool to see it. And uh, it was something I hadn't experienced before. And Ty, I see your comment. If I did go in elementary middle school, I flat out do not remember it. And I do, my memory does blow for moments in time. I don't remember <laughs> a lot of stuff, admittedly. But um, Blaine, to answer your question real quick, how we got involved with the trip. And, and thank you for the, uh, for the compliment there. 
Um, it was really just kind of like reaching out to the sports information people, you know, people we deal with on a daily basis and covering the team. And some of the stuff was open to the media and some of it wasn't. And we just respected that wherever we were allowed to be, we were there. And whenever they were doing a closed team activity, we, we left it alone. And so I, yeah, I, we're very appreciative to Dave Abloff and the Michigan football, the equipment guys, the assistant coaches, the staffers, all the people that were involved in making this trip go off kind of opened up the doors in a way that they usually don't and allow the media to be a part of it. I mean, but you know, when you think about it, they're going to these public places. Like as long as we kind of know where there are, it's not like they can tell us you can't come. Like they're just, they're just in public places, but they did go a step beyond that and let us know their itinerary, where they were going to be, come with us, be a part of things. I mean, Chris and I, I mean, dude, we got to do so many cool things this week that we wouldn't have been able to do unless we were in conjunction with the team. And I think yeah, that that made for an incredible trip. It really did. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, I really enjoyed the whole thing from start to finish at the Capitol, even though, again, that's not exactly my bag, not exactly my wheelhouse. Uh, it was still it was still really cool and uh, something that I, I would do again. I would definitely do again. Uh, so right from Lansing, right, Chris, the same day we went to Grand Rapids. Lansing was in the morning. We got in the car, went over to Grand Rapids, and did that the same day as, as we well. We did. Right? So Again, same this is all day, like yeah. <laughs> together. Like, what days were we where? Yeah, you know, Lansing we in the morning, Lansing in the morning for the tour, and then we took off from morning or from Lansing, went straight to Grand Rapids to the Gerald R. Ford Presidential yep. Museum. Um, again, just you know, another incredible spot. The guys got to learn some history. Obviously, a little bit. I guess more personal there with Gerald R. Ford and his history with the university of Michigan. And it was real Jim Hackett was there. You know, we got to hear a few people speak. Um, it was just being, you know, again, another place with so much history. I mean, dude, there were players that were looking at Gerald R. Ford's uh, report cards and, you know, he was getting like <laughs> C's in English or whatever. I remember one of the players was like, see C's and D's get degrees. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, again, those guys probably are never going to step foot in that building. If not for, being on a team trip like this. And I think they got, you know, they learned some things and they got to see some things that are pretty cool to just kind of see how, you know, a guy who worked his way to becoming president of the United States and kind of see his path along the way. And, you know, it was, it was awesome to be there and to be a part of it. And of course, uh, being in the auditorium, Jim Harbaugh shared a pretty cool story about him serving as caddy for uh, Bo Schembechler and, and president Gerald R. Ford. Um, just little things like that kept popping out and it was, really neat to just be around it. And I think we found ourselves saying that a lot during this trip to just yeah. sort of be in the room and the camaraderie with, with the team and the friendship that they all still have. It's, it's really neat to be a part of it. And it really comes out when you're in little spaces like that together in a museum. And Chris, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't also talk about what else happened in that auditorium room with you. Tyler uh, <laughs> tried to ruin the entire event for everybody. I almost, I almost brought down the house literally. <laughs> like, and listen, I will do anything to try to get good a good shot. To try to get a good shot. That's, I, that's what I want to do. I did not realize that when I was walking on a catwalk in the uh, the little theater where the whole team was gathered, there's a little bit of a step off off to the side. It's behind a curtain. I stepped <laughs> off. I almost fell. I grabbed hold of the curtain, almost ripped that down. I almost brought a couple assistant coaches with me. And then, uh, I was properly wrangled and escorted, you know, to the, into a, the, into a safe location. Yeah. <laughs> safe location. Uh, Dave Abloff, I think was the man of the hour. What the right hell? Chris. What's this guy doing? But, I mean, <laughs> 
there was a we'll get to this a little later on. There was another moment where I thought Chris was just engulfed <laughs> with the lens and just ended up tumbling off into a body of water, but that was not the case. We'll get to that in a little bit. But no, I mean, this is another one of those things that I had never done before. I'd never been to that yeah. museum. I'd never really knew that much. I mean, you know, you know, you know what you know about former presidents. I mean, Gerald Ford obviously is a Michigan guy, went to U of M. So there's a little bit more there. And he's he's talked about around the Michigan football program in that school for obvious reasons. But I didn't know all that stuff about him. I had never learned all those things about what he right, did as right. president. And we there's they have a one of the cooler things, and again. Not exactly my cup of tea, not something I would definitely seek out and go to necessarily, but they had an exact replica of the Oval Office from when he was there. And the exact desk that was at the White House when yeah. he was president was in that room, you know, where he did everything he did as president. So that was pretty cool. I know the players thought that was kind of neat. You got J.D. Johnson and uh, Cade McNamara analyzing the president's golf bag. They're like, what the, he doesn't even have a five iron. What is, like, what is he doing? Like, I just thought that was funny. They were really like really scoping out what kind of clubs he had in his bag. And they, you know, they're obviously really old and they're like, I can't believe you can even play golf with these. Like, I don't know. There were just a lot of, you just pop up on little pockets of players while they're watching the different things and looking at the different exhibits and kind of seeing how they're soaking it all in. You mentioned Jim Hackett earlier. There were multiple times where he had, 10, 15, 20 guys in a circle, and he's just telling a story about this, yeah. about that. Sometimes it was about President Ford. Sometimes it was not. Just a little bit of everything. So you kind of, again, got a sense of what this trip meant to these guys and uh, looked like they enjoyed themselves there as well. A couple of cool shots, like, you know, where they're sitting around these big meeting tables that would have been used in the White House, and you've got, instead of all these politicians, you've got 15 Michigan football players sitting in there, and they're they're yucking it up, and they're pretending to be doing meetings. And I do, talk, they were they were singing. I mean, I've got video of these guys yeah, singing yeah. around these meeting tables. I mean, just, again, incredible to be be a part of it. And, and really cool, because I think I said it earlier, and it just it just kept popping up into my head. I mean, there's, I think I actually heard Coach Harbaugh talking to a, either just a random fan or maybe a staff person at the museum or whatever it was. And he said that only half, less than half the team is from the state of Michigan. Yeah. And so you take that group of kids and you know that all of them haven't done all of these things, even though they're from the state. And then the other half has never done any of it. I mean, they've never done any of these things in the state of Michigan. And so you really got a sense of like how cool the state is because you saw players from Florida, players from Virginia, players from California, and then in-state Michigan kids just living the dream, man. I mean, and a lot yeah, of stuff man. we didn't get to do, we're kind of piecing together on social media, the paintball and the dunes, the farm stuff, the, the service work that they were doing just across the board, a really cool opportunity um, for everybody, in-state kids and, and out-of-region kids alike. And I mean, you got two in-state kids right here, me and Chris, yeah, that yeah. haven't done a lot of these things. So I, I really got a sense of what it was like for an 18, 19, 20 year old kid doing this. Cause I was, you know, in there as a grown person who hasn't done a lot of this stuff and found it really cool. So from Grand Rapids, the next morning we went to Muskegon. Uh, there was supposed to be kind of a mixed day between Grand Haven and Muskegon. Weather wasn't really cooperating. Six, eight footers out on Lake Michigan was really wondering if any of the boat activities were going to happen. I know a handful of players still did get to go out and do some fishing. They caught some hogs out there. I know they were enjoying that. But our day was spent at the beach in Muskegon. And, uh, dude, just another incredible day. The Deck Restaurant. Shout out to Michelle. I don't even know her last name. She's the, she's the manager at that restaurant. Incredible, incredible woman. She was running things from start to finish. Opened up things to us like we had worked there for 10 years. Let us use her office. Comped our food. 
that's that that's always that's always appreciated. But everybody at the deck was incredible. I think Chris and I, you and we talked about that like 10 different times. Like, dude, did you see what they just did for us? Dude, did you see that? They're letting you use the back room to charge your computer like you work there. Yeah. If you're ever in Muskegon, go to the deck. There's a shame, a shameless plug. Um, I I would I would recommend that to anybody. But then the day on the beach, dude, you were grinding, man. I mean, I went in, I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm sweaty. I'm a little uncomfortable. Let me put the swimsuit on. Let me put a swim shirt on. You were just out there just getting it in, dude. All Tons business of great content brought in. Yeah, it was to be around like first the first thing I thought was really cool was when we got there, it was fairly early and there were already Michigan fans lined oh. up. They had their gear on. I mean, if it wasn't if it wasn't thousands at that point, there were hundreds of people early in the morning ready for the Michigan Wolverines. And by the time the team got there, it was into the thousands. And it was really neat, man, just to see the way that these guys are received when they go different places in the street or in, in the city, like you expect it to be that way in Ann Arbor and when they're taking the field, but to see them walking into, you know, a beach at the Pier Marquette beach in Muskegon and to have a line of people just greeting them and wanting pictures. I mean, I can't remember who it was on, on maybe it was, it was either in Flint or maybe it was when we were with the, the army national guard, but somebody that was speaking to this team said like, we're trying to reiterate how important it is, not just from a, like a football standpoint, but how much of an impact these guys have on people's lives in this state. And they base their weddings around these things and they base yeah. important events that around was, this foot. That right. was tag. That was right. There we go. Tag. Correct. Yeah. And he that was, was, he was general man. Right. And he was really trying to hit home just how important, you know, they are to this state. And I think, when you're around them and you see them in this type of setting, you really get that sense that, man, these guys, like they are so important to the people of this state and people are just excited to see them. And it was cool to be a part of it. And in terms of what was going on in the beach, man, I mean, there was volleyball, there was, what is it? Slap ball, handball. I don't spike know what ball. Spike, spike ball. ball. I don't know what the hell you call it. It looks fun. Uh, some guys were swimming. They were out in Lake Michigan in, in about eight footers. Uh, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. To just, I was doing everything I could to just point and shoot and get as much video as I could. Frisbee, cornhole, spike yeah. ball, yeah. Corn, yeah. Four, cornhole, four person volleyball, swimming, the pier, tons of food, tons of beverages, tons of just hanging out at tables. I mean, and, and so I don't even, I cannot even put into words. I can't just, I'm not going to do it any justice. And Chris, you and I also talked about this many times, many times on this trip, everywhere we went, Flint. Lansing, Lansing, not so much because there just weren't that many people there. There was nobody in the Capitol building really except for us. But but Flint, Lansing, Grand Rapids, Muskegon and certainly Mackinac, the buzz, dude, the like Damn. every person that you walked by, like in, if you heard their little auxiliary conversations was just fawning over what was going on. I'm not kidding, dude. I walked like 30 feet from point A to point B to go like either change my battery on my camera or get my sunglasses or something. I don't remember what I was doing, but I was walking from that table we were sitting at to the office and back. And in that little walk, every person I walked by first dude, old dude, probably in his seventies. He's like, I'm wearing the same shirt. Harbaugh was just wearing on Monday and Flint. Maybe he'll stop and talk to me or something like that. He's just going on to his wife and whoever he was with. Then a little sparky, probably seven years old, ran by me singing the fight song. He's just running through this, running through the outdoor restaurant. And then finally the last lady I walked by, she's probably in her forties or so. She's like, did you see how big those guys are? How do they even find clothes to fit them? And like every person you walk by was just going on and on and on and on about these guys being there. And that's, speaks to what you said earlier hundreds of people there hours before the team arrived thousands lining the sidewalks by the time they got there 
And then it was just all day. They were at the beach for like five hours, man. And yes, like they were people are trying to they kind of had a little bit of a security outfit trying to keep people away just so the guys could enjoy their time. But people it, are didn't creative. Yeah. it didn't last. And, and and the dudes were so, so accommodating. Every person that came up and wanted a photo, every person that came up and wanted an autograph, every person that came up and wanted just to talk to Coach Harbaugh or JJ or Andrell or Blake Corum or whoever it was, they did it. They did it with a smile and they posed for the pictures and they did all that stuff. And it was, it was just fun to see that the whole time we were in Muskegon, Muskegon was really, we're going to get into Mackinac and Mackinac was incredible, but Muskegon was just so wide open and all the players were just like right there. Like in, in Mackinac, they kind of went off and did their own thing at various places all around the Island. But Muskegon to me was the highlight, I think, because it was just so wide open and all the players were right there. And I just feel like we got a ton of content and just a really, really good look at what like these guys are like away from football. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is playing cornhole with his kid and like, it was just awesome, dude. It was an awesome day. The restaurant was sweet. Gene Wojciechowski and ESPN is out there doing a sit down interview with Harbaugh. I know that was kind of before things got going, but I don't know. Like it feels a little bit disingenuous to say that Mackinac wasn't the best part of the trip, but Muskegon was just so like candid and open. And we were able to do so much with so much of the team that that really stuck out to me in terms of like what we were able to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, well, like I think the point you made earlier was, is, is right. That in Mackinac, everybody was sort of at at one point they were together and that was just go and do your own thing. So it was hard to, to get all the, everybody together. It was certain groups here, certain groups there. And, there were some some positives to that that I, we'll talk about later on. But yeah, I mean, in terms of just being out there with the entire team and watching how they interact with each other and seeing that, again, I go back to like the camaraderie and the friendship and you can see it with these guys genuinely out there, you know, having fun being around each other. And they don't know it right now. They probably don't realize it right now, but this is the stuff that... 20 years from now, they're going to look back and they're going to remember riding eight foot waves in Lake Michigan for the first time on that beach. And, you know, it's just, it's cool (laughs) to see them able to make those kind of memories. And again, it's, you know, kudos to Jim Harbaugh and and the entire group over there for, for coming up with this trip, because it's it, for me, it has been a personal highlight to be able to follow around this team and experience it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, and last but not least, and I do want to make a point, this was last for us, but the team, they're still out there. Like they're still out there for like, or maybe today is the end of it. I'm not sure either today or tomorrow morning, they yeah. are expected to come back to, to Ann Arbor, um, from way up at the UP, the Sioux locks and Drummond Island. They did that. You know, Chris and I weren't able, not weren't able, but we, <laughs> I think we had had enough at one point once we got done with Mackinac, but they're no, well, they went up, we also went to Indy first. They went up, yeah. The Indy, Indy was wedged in between Muskegon and Mackinac. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, that short, that short little drive, little jaunt, <laughs> just a little jog down little to jog. Indianapolis. But the team went up to the UP and went to Drummond Island, and a lot of that was closed to the media anyway. So it just, you know, logistically and time wise, it didn't make a lot of sense to go all the way up there. But anyway, so last but not least for us was Mackinac Island. Obviously, we met in Mackinac City first. Took the ferry over to the island with the team. It was incredible. Shout out to my aunt and uncle who have a cabin and let us crash for two nights up there. That's really what made made that trip come together and made it worthwhile was that we were able to we were able to utilize that and uh, just a, an awesome day. Weather cooperated. We weren't sure for a while, but it really came together. And Mr. Bryler outdid himself with a hype video from the day 
on Mackinac Island, and we're going to play that for you right now. That was part of the reason why we were a little bit late, so we apologize for that. We were trying to get every – I thought I was just going to be able to play the video, but it was real choppy and it wasn't working, so we had to upload it. So as we get ready to play – was that what you were going to yeah, say? Yeah, well, well, here's, here's what I, I just want to kind of preface it uh, before we play the video and, and why, why it's important that, you know, from a personal standpoint that I feel like we do these things and that – I mentioned it when we were on the helicopters with the team before that there's always these moments when I'm on the trip that I'm always extremely grateful and realize that I'm only there because the people who follow the winged helmet or the people who are watching us, like it's, it's their interaction that allows us to be at these cool events. Like without that, we're not there. And so every time I'm there, I want to do as good of a job as I possibly can to, to capture it. Like, what it's like for us to be there and then to share that with you guys so that you can kind of experience it. And so the plan is to do that a lot more this season. I don't really see a lot of outlets out there do that. I see sometimes videos come out and hype videos come out, but I really want to make an effort to try to give people an idea of what it's like to be there in that moment, because it's such a cool experience to be around these guys in that environment and in that setting. And a lot of people don't get access to that. Yeah, it was. And Chris has really shown his creative talents on these things. I mean, Chris and I both have, an artistic background. And every time he puts something together, I'm like, damn, dude, that is <laughs> some heat, it. bro. Like it's, it's, it's really cool. The players are loving everything that we're putting out there. I mean, Chris and I are both behind the lens shooting photos. Chris has really been killing it with the videos. And so this is a little less than four minutes long. It's a little longer than you typically go yeah. with these, but I think necessary, man, I think necessary. It came together really well. And just, just so everybody knows the files were a little too big, so we had to cut it in half. So we're going to do like two minutes you might see our stupid faces for a second, and then we'll do the last two minutes, and we'll just kind of let this run through. And then we're also going to upload the video by itself to YouTube. If you want to check it out later, you know, send it to your friends, share it, like it, subscribe, whatever, all that, all that jazz. It'll be available on the YouTube page. But this is the video that Chris put together from our trip over to Mackinac Island. So keep it locked and watch for about almost under uh, the three minutes and fifty-seven seconds. So just under four minutes. Here you go.
I mean, I mean, dude, it was a good trip. Oh, man, it was a good trip. And like, just so you know, that video was down to 357. That was from well over an hour of raw footage. Yeah. At least, and, and, and I don't know, thousands? Did we get into thousands of photos? Certainly hundreds yes. of photos. Between yes. the two of us, maybe a thousand. And I was alluding to this earlier. We talked about when we were in Grand Rapids. Chris is behind the lens. He's really getting it in. He trips and falls. Boom. Curtain. Fumble. <laughs> Dave. It was just about to be a mess. I don't know exactly where I was when this was going on. We were at the pool area in Grand uh, in the Grand Hotel. All of a sudden, I look over at Chris, and he's he's piling out of the pool, fully clothed, <laughs> dude, soaked to the bones. I'm like, bro, were you shooting video and not paying attention and piled off into the pool? Oh no. No, this was a well-calculated move by your boy to get in the pool and shoot yeah. one James Joseph Harbaugh coming down the slide torpedo style. I never saw That's anything true. like it. I never well, saw anything like it. Can't, listen, Jim Harbaugh, he was ready. He he was ready. He wanted to go down the slide again. He When he came down the first time and I got in there, he was asking me if I got it. And I said, well it would be a good idea if you went down again, just so I could get a clearer shot. And he was all about it. He's like, Oh, I'll go down head first, head first. I'll go down head first. Yeah. The guy is just like, you know, we, we are critical. I feel like when it's warranted and, and you know, when, when things don't go the way they're supposed to on the field, like part of our job is to just call it like we see it. That being said, I will say 
being around this guy, like I just, it's, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to be around him. That magnificent bastard's got a way about him. I'll say that. He does. I'll say that dude. He's out there with his kids, man. He's hitting the slide. He's, I mean, you can see the back and forth with his players. And I, I mean, I've been as critical as anybody of the guy for the losses and the stuff, you know, before 2021, there's something there, dude. There, there's a reason why he's been able to do what he's been able to do for so many years. Um, but I want to put this up, Chris, please read the comment and give some flowers real quick. I appreciate that. Yes, Brandon. So the music choice brand, I did have to give him credit. Uh, Brandon did put me on to the song. Uh, you know, I've, I've always kind of heard that one. Like I knew Will Smith sample. I didn't know that's what he was sampling. Like I right. only knew it from summertime. I didn't know that it was, you know, an old joint, but Brandon put me onto it and man, it was perfect for the video. Like the Island vibes, the breeze, just the, the whole, the whole aura of what was going on in that Island. And that song made perfect sense. But yeah, like Brandon said, that was over an hour of footage and it takes a lot to sort of condense that down and tell a story and, and make it make sense. But that was kind of a snippet into what it was like to just be there and be around the team. And like I said, we, you know, walking into Mackinac, you could see it, man, get off the ferry. And these guys are walking up to like, go to the grand hotel. And there are just people lined up, taking pictures, singing the fight song, selfies with the coach. It's, it's pretty cool. So back to summer madness. I love the video. Love it. Chris sent it to yeah. me last night. I watched it. I was like, damn dude, that's so good. I also told him I'm, quite pissed off because for years I have been wanting to be in a video slow motion. <laughs> I don't know, getting out of my car, you know, like a, a buttoned up shirt flowing in the breeze, eating a sandwich. Yeah. Getting down on a glizzy something, dude, something. <laughs> I, I've always wanted that. And Chris just stole it from me. Absolutely. Sorry, stole that man. opportunity from me, but no, that it had to be done. Every video Chris puts out is better than the last one, so be looking out for a lot of that good shit this summer, <laughs> this fall because I'm excited to see that as well. But that 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 little four minute video did kind of encompass a little bit of all of it: the ride over, all the fanfare, yeah. all the different events they got to do. I mean, I, we didn't even include all of it because you can't. I mean, you've got oh, well over an hour of footage, and we were on the island all day. We're running around. We're you know they're playing putt putt golf. They're in the pool. They're on the horses. They're they're doing the bikes. They're up at the fort. They're they're doing actual golf. And, and apparently, like, barefoot golf is a thing now. I've seen so many of the players do barefoot golf. Anybody's yeah, yeah. out there knows about the barefoot golf scene, put your boy on. I don't I don't get it. Maybe it's when you're on the island. Maybe that's – I don't know. We saw JJ out there with the barefoot. We saw a lot of other players out there barefooted golfing. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I would actually be interested to ask the players maybe if they had a favorite stop because all of them have been cool in their own way. I'd – I would find it hard to believe that anything topped Mackinac for them. Just the, you know, the the allure of the Grand Hotel and the way it yeah. looks if you're walking up to it. And then when you're on the porch and you're looking out over the island and, you know, the Mighty Mac is in the background and you've got the flags going. It just was, dude, it was so freaking picturesque and just an incredible experience. And, oh, by the way, you're there with like a 100 of your boys. Like, I, I just can't even imagine what that was like. And I'm yeah. super, super grateful that we got to be a part of it. And, uh yeah, I, I saw someone say earlier, and Chris and I talked about this on the way home, and we saw Jed Fish, you know, the head former Michigan assistant, the head coach out of Arizona, say he's like, I'm stealing that. I'm I'm doing that in Arizona. I don't know. That might in include a trip to the Grand Canyon and Lake Havasu and, you know, Sedona and some other places. You know, good luck in 125 degrees, but still, <laughs> the yeah. idea of getting your team out there together and doing a bunch of stuff like that is incredible. And, you know, props to Jim Harbaugh for this trip. You know, looking back at the South Africa trip, the trip to France, 
all the stuff that he's been able to do, man, incredible. And I'm so pumped that we got to be a part of it. I, I mean, dude, we've just been talking about it for 40 minutes. I don't feel like we we even like did it any justice. Like the road no. trip part, because they're doing all that too. They're they're hanging out on the bus, man. They're you know they're doing what they're doing in the hotel rooms, and they're just I can't imagine the level of camaraderie with a big group like that. Because like Chris said, dude, I mean we. You know, he he MF'd me as hard as I've ever been MF'd on the, on the <laughs> at the pool. I mean, that's just kind of the stuff you get into with your boys when you're out there. And Chris was Chris would say he's like, ah, we he's talked about him and his family. He's like, we just swear a lot, dude. Like that didn't mean we're nothing. big swears. We're big swears. Brandon was <laughs> caught off by the F bomb. I you know, I say it a little bit forcefully, but it's just part of my vocabulary. Oh, it was so funny. We were just sitting But we there were like, drinking. Look at hey, you had can't a couple bodies. I was gonna say you can't be today. Yeah, uh, laying out by the pool at the Grand Hotel, spending twenty dollars a pop on Bahama Mamas, <laughs> yes, which sir. were lovely, which were delicious. Uh, yeah, t- top to bottom, it was it was a it was a great day. And I just want to reiterate, I know I've said it a couple times, but we talked leading up to the season last year, we talked about how the culture felt different and the energy felt different, and there just felt like there was a vibe within this team. I can tell you that being around these guys. Not only is the the camaraderie still there, but there is a belief among these guys that they can not just do what they did last year, but exceed that. I mean, a legitimate belief that they can do big things this year. We were a little bit concerned about the defense, but then Brandon and I started talking about it and going down the roster. And the more we look at it, the more we around these guys, the more we see what they look like physically and the way they carry themselves. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse just yet. But I think we're already feeling pretty safe that 11 and 0 going into that final week in November is a very realistic possibility. Being around this team this last week or so, I feel that much stronger about it. Dude, Jim Harbaugh on the podium in Indy, and that's a perfect segue into what we're getting into next because sandwiched in between Muskegon and Mackinac was a little, just a little, little trip, little quick trip down the street yeah. to Indianapolis for us. At the podium, Jim Harbaugh said, I've got a sneaking suspicion that this defense is better than last year's. And that's that's crazy to think because there's three first-rounders now playing on Sundays that aren't on this team anymore. David Ojabo, he's a first-rounder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to refer to him as a first-rounder. As you should. Had it not been for the Achilles injury, he would have been one. Probably a top half of the first-round yep. pick. Still a second pick even with the injury. So there you go. But yes, in between Muskegon and Mackinac, we we took a trip down to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. There's one of the things that Jim Harbaugh talked about. I think he said, I mean, I put an article out today outlining the five most interesting things he said. I probably could have got 15. I I think he said a lot of really interesting, intriguing things. I picked five just based on kind of the way he worded them and what it might mean for the team moving forward. Anytime he's taking a shot at Ohio state, I'm going to put that in there. He did that twice. So those were two of my five, but uh, big 10 media days again in Indianapolis down on the field at Lucas oil. This was Chris and I second year being there for that. Another really good event. I really, I feel a little bit rushed. Like I've looked at what some of the outlets did where they're talking to Joel Klatt and they're doing different things about, you know, with the Big Ten analysts and they're breaking things down a little bit more. We simply didn't have time to do that because as yeah. soon as Jim Harbaugh finished on the podium, we got in the car and drove to Mackinac City, which was, you know, a, resulted in an, a, a three in the morning arrival. Like there just wasn't any time to really do some of that auxiliary stuff. But that's cool because Mackinac was well worth it. But while we were in Indy, uh, Michigan brought four players this year, which was a little unique that allowed for 
DJ Turner and Mozzie Smith to share the podium for an hour. Eric All, Cade McNamara, the other two, and then, of course, Jim Harbaugh a little after that. Chris, I just want to ask you, we got to kind of go around. You've seen some of the quotes that have been put out there. You already kind of mentioned the way some of these guys look. We saw them all week at the different events, but then again, some of them at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, I mean, you hear Cade talk about being the quarterback, but then you hear a little bit about the quarterback battle. You hear Mozzie Smith and DJ Turner talk about Mike McDonald being the man, but damn, dude, Jesse Minner might be pretty dope too, and maybe this offense, I'm sorry, this defense is just as good. And then you hear Eric All say, like, you know, some of his games he played last year were his worst games ever. And I'm like, all right. What what are we really getting out of these guys? Because last year at Big Ten Media Days, they're saying all the right things, but there was still a lot of skepticism. The skepticism's gone. I mean, yeah. you just uttered the words 11 and 0. Yeah. So when you hear some of the things these guys were saying, what Harbaugh was saying, what was like a an, a 10,000 foot view takeaway from Big Ten Media Days this year? Um they all they all seem locked in and ready and, and have a business-like approach. I mean, you know, we have, right. We have talked about, you know, there's no secret where we stand on the quarterback battle and what direction we think is the best to go. But we're, like I said, we're two yahoos in our basement talking on a podcast to his credit. I love the way Cade McNamara is carrying himself this year. We have been around the team for the last week. He carries himself like a leader. When he showed up to Big Ten Media Days, he took the stage like a leader. He answered questions like a leader. He was confident. He was borderline cocky, like right up to where he needs to be. I just think he's in the pocket. Um, and then another guy that I really want to shine a light on is Mozzie Smith. Mm. I have been probably more so than any other player on this trip impressed with Mozzie Smith the way he looks physically, I said it in a post and I was kind of being, you know, jokey a little bit on Facebook, but he does look like he's put on about 125 pounds of muscle. But then he takes the podium at Big Ten Media Days and every single answer was just on point, business-like approach. For instance, one that really stuck out with me, we've it, talked about NIL. I, look, I know exactly what Chris is going to say because okay. he talked to me about this. Yeah. Six times while we were in the car. He just kept coming back to like, <laughs> I can't believe what Mozzie said. I haven't ever really said it that way. I haven't heard any other player say it that way. And he nailed it. He yeah. freaking nailed it. And Chris has brought this up to me and several times. So we, again, not a secret where we stand on the quarterback battle. Not a secret where we stand on NIL for anybody who's followed, you know, us for any period of time, at least over the last several months here. Mozzie Smith was asked about NIL and big dollars used in recruiting and what impact it could have on the locker room. And Mozzie had a very, very simple, yet I think uh, noteworthy approach, which is don't worry about other people's pockets. That's what he said word for word. I'm not worried about other people's pockets, and neither should you. Let people do their own thing. Whatever's going on in their pockets, that's their business. It's none of our business, none of your business, none of my business. And to hear a kid at that age, like, he just scoffed it off. Basically, like, I don't give a shit. Like, we're here to play football. We all got big goals. Like, I'm not worried about that, you know, what's in that guy's pocket. I'm worried about doing my own thing. And so I think this, you know, there's a misconception that dollars are going to ruin locker rooms. And these guys just operate on a different level. They root for each other. They cheer for each other. They understand that different guys are going to bring different dollars. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own. And, and that's just the way it works. And Mozzie hit it on the head. I know we got it on video and, you know, we'll, we'll try to pull it and maybe get that audio out there, but just continuously impressed with the way he carries him, himself. And if he doesn't 
break a quarterback in half on the football field this year, I will be surprised just by his sheer size. There was actually there was actually a moment we'll rewind all the way back to Flint at the jailhouse. So the players are off doing their own thing. You know, there's like a group of them here, another couple here, another couple there kind of scattered around and they're waiting to come back to Sheriff Swanson's office for like a debriefing and kind of an end of the event. And Mozzie was one of the guys who was like not in there yet. Like his group was still gone and he may have been by himself. There were, I don't know. What was it, Chris? There was only like 15 players or something at the jail. It wasn't a lot. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. Correct. Well, they were broken up and maybe Mozzie was by himself. I don't know. I think, like I said, I was the only one with just Harbaugh. There were no players with him. And I think Chris, you were with just one or two players, I think. So anyway, they're, they're split up and we're waiting in the office, waiting for him to come back. And Mozzie wasn't back yet. And I just was, I was happened to be back there. And one of the other officers was like, you know, where are the players at? Who's not back yet? And one of the other guys was like, yeah, Mozzie's not back yet. Did we lose him? Like, did we lose Mozzie somewhere? And like three of the other officers were like, he'll be fine. You, like, don't worry about Mozzie. He's good. He's going to be just fine wherever he is. Like, I, I can, I can confirm. I can confirm that Mozzie Smith was the biggest man in that jail. Hands down. No question. Yeah. Dude, he's. I said this when we left. I'm like, <laughs> if you took an adolescent grizzly bear and put it up against Mozzie, like I'm really not sure who would win. He Legit. looks. Like, I I I scoffed that off at first, but the more we've been around him, I'm like, dude, you know what? He's a horse, man. He's just a big. He just he can't even like fit in his. I don't know what size shirt he's wearing. It's not big enough. We've said that before. The dude. biceps were just <laughs> bursting out of the jersey. Like, oh, it's incredible. Eric Hall is a big ass dude. Yeah, he's six four. He's two fifty. Chris posted one of his pictures that he took when they're in their jerseys from Indy, walking out of the tunnel, and it's, so it's like a, it's a it's a view from the from behind them. Right, Mozzie's like four times as big as <laughs> as Eric All. Like it's comical how big he looks yeah. compared to him. It, and Eric's like a big guy. He's a big yeah. dude, and Mozzie just looks you know he dwarfs him. And so yes, if he and doesn't I, destroy a quarterback this year, by the way. For the first time, can we just point yeah. that out real quick? No sacks, no career sacks for Mozzie Smith. He's got to get a couple this year because he just looks like he's ready to just go crazy. Yeah, and and I think the other thing that stuck out to me, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the exact quote, but somebody asked him, you know, what are you trying to prove? You know, what do you what are you looking to do this year? And basically, Mozzie's response was, "I'm just out to show people I'm not playing this year." Mm -hmm. And the way he said it, <laughs> and the way he looks. I'm trying not to get too excited about him, but I think Mozzie Smith is on the verge. They call this bag season, I think is what they call this. I think Mozzie Smith is going to be blowing people away this year. If he look, if he performs half as good as he looks right now, Michigan's going to be okay up front. So that that was kind of an overview of everything and who was there and the and the podium presence and things like that. I had a couple things I wanted to throw out there, Chris, about Jim Harbaugh's words. And again, I put an article above up about this earlier five of the things that I thought he said really stuck out. Let's start with a couple about Ohio state because there were, you know, Ryan day made some waves earlier this off season. He said he, he put a hard number on it. We need $13.5 million to field the roster that we want and that we need to win at the level that we're expected to win at. He put a flat number out 13 and a half million. Somebody asked Jim Harbaugh exactly that. What do you think about Ryan day's words? that he needs $13 million to field a roster. And Jim Harbaugh said, cool, I think we can double that at Michigan. Now, he's not wrong. Michigan can double it, triple it. Dude, put a number on it. Michigan can get there. He wants it. The players obviously want it. 
Whether or not it happens is a completely different discussion. This is exactly what I wrote in my article. Michigan could be and should be the number one school in the country when it comes to NIL combined with athletics, combined with academics. There's a couple other schools in the neighborhood. Notre Dame's probably the other one that's in that same top, top tier. Texas is there. USC's kind of there. Stanford could be there. But all of those other schools fall short of Michigan in at least one area. Like Texas, you, the Texas degree is not as valuable as the Michigan degree. They've got the football history. They've got the money. Stanford doesn't have the football. They've got the academics. They've got the networking. They've got the alumni. Notre Dame is pretty damn close to Michigan in all areas, but it's a private university. So there's a few different things that they can do and get away with that a public university like Michigan cannot. I'm not going to dive into all of that right now because it's a very layered thing, but I love the fact that he said, cool, I'll see your 13 million. Let me raise you 13 and we'll go to 26 or 27 million. Chris, we've talked about NIL a ton. We've talked about how Michigan's marketing has kind of sucked. This didn't suck. That that's a strong statement from Jim Harbaugh, but you got to do it. It's got to yeah, be, yeah. it's got to be out there a little bit more front and center. Well, I think what we've talked about is first and foremost, even if nothing is going to change from a substantive substantive standpoint, you know, if they're not going to change the way they operate at the very least, the messaging has to change. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Your head coach, you know, confidently saying, okay, 13 mil, I think we can easily double that. And of course you can easily double that one, one donor at the university of Michigan can double that alone. And so it's not that Michigan isn't able to compete. And if the whole idea is, Hey, we want to make sure that the guys that are here are going to get paid. Michigan can and should be doing that. Um, and, you know, it sounds like maybe they're they're starting to see the, the light a little bit on NIL. I don't think they're ever going to get to, you know, the level of a Texas A&M and Alabama Clemson. I don't think they're ever going to play in that arena. They, they're not comfortable there. But if they can at least ship the messaging, I, I don't think it'll be as big of a hit on the recruiting trail. And then, you know, we'll see how, how serious they are about getting their actual pairs played. That is a... That's a, that's an interesting comment, Cody. That's not entirely transformational. That sounds pretty transactional. And yes. that's why I said, like, ever since Harbaugh said that, like, I, I just don't really know if he truly believes that. Like, because we've heard all along that, and he, he doubled down on that. He wants the Big Ten to pay his players. Like, does the Big Ten not use the name, image, and likeness of all of my guys every single week with their promotional videos and their commercials right. and, and the broadcast itself? Like, So, yeah, I've always been a little bit conflicted about why Jim Harbaugh said that the way that he did, and I don't think he truly believes it. Like, he, he gets it. He knows that his guys want to get paid, and he's – I mean, dude, he went to Michigan. He knows what's there. He knows the kind of power in the pocketbook that they have. Um, so yeah, like that goes back to what I just said to Chris, like the, the messaging hasn't been very good. Like even if Jim Harbaugh wants to believe that the transformation and the transaction, you know, needs to be both involved and the experience at Michigan is worth a lot. And I, I don't disagree with that. I don't know if you need to say it the way he said it. And so for him to say, cool, 13 mil, let's, let's double it. I, I thought that was a good look. I thought that was a really good look at the podium to say it that way. And it does kind of show that he gets it now, whether or not Michigan ever completely dives all the way in, that's not even up to Jim Harbaugh. So like, yeah. it's not the bad guy here, but there have been some things that he said that I'm like, ah, dude, I don't know if you really needed to say that or say it so strongly. And Chris and I have talked about that, that quite a bit before the other thing that he said about Ohio state and Ryan day was uh, a person asked the two part question. The first part, very calm, very cool, very collected. What do you think of Ryan day? 
Jim Harbaugh says, yeah, we're professional. We see each other at the games. We saw each other at the Heisman ceremony. Everything's fine. He's doing everything to win. I'm doing everything to win. Great. The very next follow-up question was, can you then confirm if your standing on third base like you hit a triple comment was about Ryan Day? And, a, dude, a Grinch smile <laughs> formed on Jim Harbaugh's face up to his damn eyeballs. And he said, I have no comment about that at this time and walked off the stage. Dude, it was such a savage moment. And everybody knew that he was talking about Ryan Day. And obviously, he was. Dude, he said it right after they beat him in the post game press conference. Of course, it was about him. I'm not well, really when sure. When you say comment. I have no comment behind a grin, that's, that's, a, that's a response. Yeah. I'm not really sure why the guy asked or what he was expecting Jim Harbaugh to say. Like, we all know it was about him, but I, I just loved. I love the smirk. I love the look. I love that he didn't really address it. And he, part of me, part of me did say, okay, so Jim Harbaugh knows, does know how to say no comment. Maybe he should try that a little more often sometimes, but I digress. I see somebody in the comments, Chris Cody, bringing up that that comment has played out. He is still one in five against Ohio state, but what have you done for me lately? He whooped their ass. He won the big 10. I loved it. I th Well, we always, we always, Hold on, I'm getting an echo. Let me come out. Come okay. back in. This oh, we're gonna have to talk about. We're gonna have to talk about Streamyard after this is over. <laughs> yeah. So I just again, I I can't remember exactly who the person was that asked the question. I don't know what kind of answer he was looking for, but I thought Harbaugh's. I thought Harbaugh's short and sweet answer was good. He, you know, he mentioned. He just kind of said, "No comment. I'm not doing it." Uh what was I going to say? Now I forgot what I was saying. We were talking about Harbaugh. Oh, the, yeah. the comment, the comment yeah, yeah. played out. Right. Okay. So no, I, I mean, one of the things that has really pissed me off as of late, or at least during the, you know, the Jim Harbaugh years early on was sort of avoiding the Ohio state conversation and not really seeming like, you know, you're taking it seriously or that you feel confident in it. I'm all for the trash talk and I'm all for, you know, I, I, I agree with what Jim Harbaugh said. I thought there was some validity to it. I thought when he said it at the press conference, it was on point. And the fact, you know, somebody asked him about it. It's not like he goes around pumping his chest and saying it over and over. I think it was one comment. Somebody asked him about it and it was very clearly uh, about Ryan day. And look, this team is, I said it earlier in the podcast, we spent a lot of time around them over the last week. This is this is the most confident team I think Michigan is going to send to Columbus in damn near two decades. Mm. I'll put it that way. They yeah. believe they can get this win in Columbus, and I'm starting to believe they can too. <sighs> Good Lord. If the, Dude, we we talked about this also on the way – I think it was on the way to Mackinac. We've been in the car a lot lately, but <laughs> the idea of 11 and 0, 11 and 0 playing against each other in the final week of November, but then also the possibility of a rematch in the playoff or even in the national title game, dude, heads would freaking explode. <laughs> heads would explode and I'm here for it and I would love to see it. But anyway, a yeah. couple shots at Ryan Day in Ohio state. You love to see it. You love to see it. It always comes up. It's just part of the deal. Harbaugh goes last on Monday or on Tuesday. Ryan Day goes last on Wednesday. They do it that way on purpose. It's a good thing. I, I want to ask you a question because uh, there was a little bit of pushback on this uh, today when it came out. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had four goals that he listed out. Hmm. One was to beat Ohio State. One was to win the Big Ten. Another one was to win a national championship. The other one he specifically singled out was Michigan State. 
Now, I have seen people on social media and in the comment section scoffing at the idea that Michigan State could be a must-win game, that it would be that important, that it's just like every other game except for Ohio State. What are your thoughts on just the situation currently with Michigan State and the fact that Jim Harbaugh included them as one of four goals for the season? They're the second biggest rival they have. It's, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You, you beat there. No, that's. <laughs> I mean, you and I have talked about this forever. Like Ohio State is a powerhouse, and they always have been. Yeah. So when they walk around with their nose up in the air, I hate them, but I get it. Michigan State gets a little saucy for a while, and then they act like they're they're not. They're not. So I understand it from that angle, but it's still Michigan, Michigan State. It's still the little brother going back to Mike Hart's comments. It's still your in-state rival separated by an hour of roadway. That's it. It's still, and if you want to look at just recent history, it's still 0-2 against the current head coach. So no, anybody who doesn't think that they belong on that list is like not getting it for some reason. Look, Michigan State, I don't think is on the same level as Michigan when it comes to program overall. I don't. I don't think they are. Over the last 20 years, they are. That's fine. However you want to look at it, you got to love Michigan State fans. They always have a fantastic arbitrary starting point when you can start talking shit. I think you should look at it all, but whatever. But now you, you've got Mel Tucker sitting there at 2-0 and against Jim Harbaugh, and he's got a chance to go 2-0 and against Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. So this year, if Jim Harbaugh is talking about right now and this year, absolutely Michigan State needs to be on there, and all the players will tell you that too. I don't care who any of the other teams are. They don't take it as personal or get up as much as they do for Ohio State and Michigan State, and it's always going to be that way forever. Can I say that Eric All damn near, damn near put Michigan State, if not on equal footing, you did. a little a little more important than Ohio State. He look, there are some. I there is an arrogance within a certain segment of this fan base where they just don't even want to acknowledge that Michigan State is a real threat ever. And that's fine mm -hmm. if you want to choose to live your life that way. But the reality is Mel Tucker, 2-0 against Jim Harbaugh, chance to go 3-0. and And like Brandon said, two of those wins would be in Ann Arbor with a Michigan team that's going to be favored. The first time they played, Michigan was favored by 21. I don't know what they're going to be favored by this year, but I know Michigan's going to be favored at home. The idea that Michigan, look, here's the other thing that bothers me. People will revert to last year and say, well, look at what happened last year. Michigan doesn't have to beat Michigan State to win a Big Ten title. Well, guess what? Michigan needed some help when they lost that game. They needed Michigan State to shit the bed later on in the year. And fortunately, Michigan State is usually pretty good for that. They get up for Michigan and then they shit the bed sometime late in the year when they shouldn't. So, yeah, you have to win that game unless you want to be in a position where you're hoping everybody else around you is going to kind of take care of things. So I, you know, the the idea that Michigan State is just a, you know, another game in a long list of games, that's not the case. The players don't see it that way, the coaches don't see it that way, and I'm shocked that fans still see that it, that way given the way the last two seasons have gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to the fans can think and say all they want, but like I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and side with the four players and Jim Harbaugh who yeah. are pretty freaking clear about what they think about the green and white. I mean, it, it, there was, there was no punches pulled, dude. They, they are marking that one down. Eric all said, pretty sure we'll probably have a Michigan state drill before long. Like we j just like we had an Ohio state drill last year, or however long they've been doing that. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, you, you gotta, I mean, Chris, you've been, 
as outspoken as anybody that you you might even put that one above Ohio State on like the must win category. Yeah, yeah. well, I For well different reasons, but like it's there, dude. It's in that this talk. year. This year, I would strictly for the the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State last year. If Michigan goes down to Columbus, plays them tough, but ultimately loses. I don't think the sky is going to fall. I think people are going to say, you know, fuck, it was a hard, you know, tough fought game. Michigan didn't come out on top. They'll probably, if it's a tough, you know, if it's a close game and Michigan's 11 and 0 going into that, still a chance to maybe make the college football playoff. If you lose to Michigan state, I just don't, I don't see in what world that Owen three to Mel Tucker doesn't carry a lot of weight going into the off season on the recruiting trail, because you've spent now seven years trying to destroy a narrative that you can't get to Indy and you can't beat Ohio state. You don't all of a sudden now want to, after, you know, there's a meme going around of all of these headstones with narratives on them that Jim Harbaugh killed in the 2021 season. <laughs> well, one of those new narratives is going to be that he can't beat Mel Tucker and you can't even let it get to that point. That's why this year, in your in your house, you cannot let Michigan State come in there and slap you around. It, it just can't happen. Look, Michigan State Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is out of control. <laughs> Their fan base is out of control. They need to be wrangled in a little bit here. Can't give them another W. You can't. You, you have even said you like you. It can't even be close. Michigan needs no, to win. It has to be an ass beating. That yeah. Jim Harbaugh better not take his foot off the gas that entire afternoon. Just slap him around all afternoon. So that there, there is no doubt when the clock hits zero. All right. We're at an hour and 10 minutes. I still have three more things to touch on from Big Ten Media Day. Should we keep it rolling? We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, let's go. We'll keep it rolling. Let's finish it up. I just feel like stopping now and then coming back to it the next time wouldn't. I just we're, we're on the roll. We're talking about what we just did for the past week. Let's keep it moving. All right. One of the other things that stuck out to me really in, in a big way was Jim Harbaugh's praise of Ronnie Bell. And, and not just praise, but actual measurable, you know, measurable things that that speak to how good Ronnie Bell could be this year after tearing his ACL and missing the entire 2021 20, season. He said that since the injury, Ronnie Bell has now set personal records in the miles per hour. So he's reached a new top speed that he's never reached before uh, the three cone drill. And then I guess Michigan has like a specific like plyometric stairs thing that they do. I don't know if they, I don't know if it's like for explosion or if it's just for a time. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what that drill means for sure. But anyways, three very specific drills that measure explosiveness and athleticism that Ronnie Bell has set personal records in since injuring his knee. So now, dude, I wrote this today. Michigan's wide receiver room, I think, is loaded without Ronnie Bell. I think it's loaded without him. You've got Cornelius Johnson. You've got Roman Wilson. You've got A.J. Henning. You've got Andrew Anthony. You've got Darius Clemens, the freak freshman. And you've got Omarion Walker, the other freak freshman. I think that group is as good as any in the Big Ten now, right now. Now you throw Ronnie Bell back into the mix, and it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, this group is incredible. How about a new and improved Ronnie Bell? Then now what does the room look like? Like, I I really wonder what this is going to look like. We've talked about this a bunch, Chris. If they're handing the ball off 50 times a game, you're not getting it out to these seven dudes very often. Good Lord, dude. What does this room look like? What does it look like to you? How good can they be? How good can Ronnie Bell be? Dude, is, are Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss going to just like punch Jim Harbaugh and say, no, we're throwing the ball 50 times, dude. Like we have to. 
Oh, but by the way, you got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards back there. Like, what? What do they, dude? The 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 embarrassment of riches in this in these skill rooms is incredible right now. Yeah. I, well, I you know I remember people scoffed at it. When I said it a couple months back. I truly think, depending on what the scheme looks like, this offense has everything it takes to be one of, if not the best in the country. One of the top offensive lines, weapons galore in the wide receiver room, two of the most dynamic guys in the backfield. You've got Cade McNamara, who, regardless of where you stand on him, has shown at least that he can be a solid contributor. Don't sleep on Scooney and Eric all. Don't right. Don't tight end duo. There you go. Don't sleep on the so top to bottom. That offense seems sorry. My my wife is bringing me some water here. Uh, Seems like it could be one of the best in the country. Now, a lot of that's going to depend on what the scheme looks like and, you know, how does Sharon Moore and, and Matt Weiss choose to use this offense. But man, being around a guy like Darius Clemens and Marion Walker and some of these other guys, it's like, I don't see how you can't use them. These guys are, look like they're just ready. Like Alex Orgy, he's a quarterback. He's out there snagging balls off of Denegal's head and Denegal's like six, five, six, six. They have athletes everywhere. I just hope they 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 use it. To me, I I don't see how you can roll with the same type of offense that you rolled with last year. This looks like a different makeup. Chris, Too real many quick, weapons. Real quick before we go any further, right here. There's Uncle Mike. That's the cabin we stayed in. If you want to give him a shout Thank out. Thank you, Uncle Mike. Thank you, Uncle Mike. I appreciate look at. I slept in, I slept in uh I slept in the upstairs bed, like you said. Now Brandon was a little bit sloppy in his bed. I don't know if he made it, so you might want to check I that did one make out. It. I made okay. the bed. All right. But good times, good times were had. Appreciate the cabin. It was clutch. Absolutely. Absolutely made the trip, dude. Made the trip possible for us. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Uncle Mike and Aunt Chrissy for throwing that out there and letting us use the cabin. Um, but yes, back to that room, back to the skill players, back to the quarterback situation, wherever you think that might go. I mean, we saw what Cade can do. It's not like it's not like he's incapable back there. We both just think that this offense could go to a new height with J.J. McCarthy. We will talk about that at the end. That's the last topic that we are going to wrap up with, so we'll get to that in a minute. But when you look across the board at these receivers, that receiver room, seven dudes who I think have all Big Ten caliber you know, talent. I there's there's not enough volume. I mean, they're not all going to be able to catch 50 balls and score 10 touchdowns. But I really even mentioned Andrew Anthony yet. I threw him in there as the first four, and then you've got the two freshmen, then you've got a new and improved Ronnie Bell. Like the group is insane. All guys who have made plays, who can make plays, with the exception of the freshmen. But dude, if you put all seven of those guys in a lineup and say pick your top two receivers just off of appearance, you might take Darius Clemens and Marion Walker first. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what they look like. I know they haven't played yet and they're just freshmen. Like I'm not trying to say they're going to be better than those guys, but physical appearance, size, physical stat, appearance, speed, yeah. they're one and two. <laughs> Dude, they look like freaks. They look like you built them in a laboratory to play wide receiver. So that group's loaded. The tight ends are loaded. Senior guys. The offensive line was the best in the country last year. Might be better this year. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I specifically didn't mention the running backs on that just now because that's the last guy I want to talk about. Donovan Edwards, dude, I Blake Corum has been on the podcast with us more than any other Michigan player. We love him. He was on his way to a 1,000-yard season last year before he got hurt. He could be the bell cow guy in any offense in the country, and somehow 
he almost is forgotten a little bit during this offseason because Donovan Edwards is waiting there to just take another step. Jim Harbaugh talked about Donovan Edwards as a once-in-a-generation kind of player. The work ethic, the talent, the vision, the size, the versatility, all of that, the speed, the balance. And, oh, by the way, you've got you've got poor Blake Corum back there who I just ran for 1,000 yards and had several plays over 65, 70 yards last year. Like, that duo is absolutely dynamic, speedy, incredible. Cade McNamara said, last year we had thunder and lightning. Now we just got lightning and lightning. That's what we got <laughs> this year. I mean, so first, first things first, the praise from Jim Harbaugh to call Donovan Edwards generational, one of his all-time favorite players. And you and I have noted this before. Donovan Edwards loves Jim Harbaugh. He yeah, loves him. And I'm obviously, when you hear Jim Harbaugh talk about him, the feeling is mutual. You've been as high on Donovan Edwards as anybody. It's not that I'm not. I just love Blake Corum too. And I know you do too. Yeah. This is such a like, what's that dynamic gonna look like? Who plays when, where? Like, how do you what do you do with these two? Uh, well, the thing is, I would say, well, you use Donovan Edwards a little bit more in the passing game, but then you go back to, well, Jesus, we just named seven guys there that are already, you know, that you get you're gonna struggle to get the ball to. Call it nine with the tight ends. Like it's crazy. It it is in every sense of the, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, like you said. And I think I'm just really excited to see what it looks like because it does feel like it could be high powered and it could be dynamic and it could be everything that we've sort of hoping this offense could evolve into. Um, And it just seems like they have too many weapons not to do that. And I, I think that Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore get that. I mean, they're they're going to get into fall camp, and it's not like it's going to be lost on them what they have in front of them. And I just, to not use it, to not use a guy like Darius Clemens and Marianne Walker, Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell, A.J. Henning. I mean, Jesus, you're moving Mike Sainer still, who had some of the most amazing catches I've seen last year, snagging the ball with one hand. There's not even any room. So now he's got to go play defense where it seems like he's excelling over there. Uh, <laughs> they could be really, really, really good. Let me put it this way. Given this offense, let me ask you this question. Given the way this offense looks, is this the best shot that Michigan has had under Jim Harbaugh for a quarterback to break the 27 touchdown record? No question. Not even no question. Right. Not even a debate. I I mean, even, you know, we know that Cade didn't throw it a lot last year and we were pretty sure through four weeks this year they're not going to throw it very much because they they're not going to have not going to have to we we know that you and i could play quarterback the first four weeks in michigan would win (laughs) Uh, god that's i think you're actually like that's not even like just snap the ball turn around give it to one of the running backs that's all they're gonna have to do i can do that so yes i mean talent wise weapon wise even dude, you <sighs> do look at the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Harbaugh has never had th- this type of weaponry at his disposal. I just can't imagine they won't use it. Here's the deal. Call 40 passes a week for Cade McNamara. He's shattering that record. Yeah. Call yeah. that for JJ McCarthy. Dude, the, the, the big house might explode, dude. I don't, I don't, I mean, I just feel like there's so much potential there and, and we might not get to see it. And I don't, I don't know what I would do with that. And I know there's a lot of fans that are the same way, but good God, dude, if they're 11 and oh, going to Columbus, like who cares really how you get there? It's a lot yeah. like what we saw last year. Yes. And every yeah. week we talk about it and people would be like, I can't believe you guys are complaining. Why? Blah, 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 blah. But I, I don't know. Like 
you know, there's there were some close games. Again, the, the, you barely get out of Lincoln with a win. You barely beat Rutgers at home. You lose to Michigan State. Now, even in that game, Cade did have a pretty big day through the air. But, like, I just feel like if you come out of the gate from week one and you say, you know what, this is 2022, we got a live-armed, gunslinging, mobile stud back there in J.J. McCarthy. We're going to throw it around the freaking lot. By the time you get to week five against Iowa and Iowa City, you beat them by 50, dude. And I feel like this team has that potential, and I just don't know if we're going to see that. So I'm I'm really I'm, I'm really anxious to, and, and just so excited to see what this all looks like come September 3rd. And by the way, uh, fall camp starts in like four days. So this all <laughs> all this stuff is going to start happening for real yeah, very, right. very soon. I don't know how much we're going to hear about or what we're going to learn about. We're going to get some availability here and there coming, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. It's close, man. It's like 30, what, 37 days 37, away? Yeah. So there it is. Last but not least, another perfect segue. It's almost like we've been doing these things for like 125 shows. Yeah, or something. right. Quarterback battle, dude. It's there. It was talked about by Cade. It was talked about by Coach Harbaugh. It's it's being talked about by the players. You know that it is. And it's all getting ready to to come to a head in four days. And I wanted to point this out because I think this is interesting. And I wrote this out in the story today when Jim Harbaugh said it's going to be really hard for Cade McMara to lose the starting position or to, to win the starting position. It's going to be really hard for JJ McCarthy to win the starting position. So to me, that means he's acknowledging that there is indeed a very real quarterback battle. And everybody's like, Oh, I can't believe he said that. And you know, Zach Shaw said, you know, like, he asked Harbaugh, like, how did Cade take the news that he's not the starter? And Jim Harbaugh's like, I never said he wasn't the starter. What the hell are you talking about? There's a battle. We're going to let him. And if you think about it, literally nothing has happened. Cade right. McNamara was the starter last year. They played in the playoff game. Cade wasn't all that great. JJ did a little bit more, but it was kind of when the game was out of hand. So what does that really mean? And then, and then JJ's on the shelf for spring ball. So it's it's Cade all spring, and now they're getting ready to start fall camp. So literally nothing has happened since last year. So there's absolutely no reason for Jim Harbaugh to say anything other than Cade McNamara is my starter because he is, by default at this point, the starting quarterback. I'm starting to move my slider towards J.J. in a pretty big way. <laughs> I think it's going to be number nine on September 3rd out on that field, dude. Well, you know, you're a sweet, you're a sweet young lad there, uh, Brandon. Uh, it will, I look, we've also talked about this too. If number nine goes trotting out there for the first series oh, week one, the, the big house is going to explode regardless of whether or not it's announced beforehand or not. When people see it, it's going to explode. But I think that's a pipe dream. I think now let me, okay. How about this? Let, I'm going to say to you what I said to you. I think when we were at the hotel on our trip. Here's how I feel about this battle. If J.J. McCarthy is who you and I believe he is, top to bottom, mm -hmm. it will be very, very apparent in fall camp who the better quarterback is. And if it's as apparent as I think it's going to be, as it's going to be to the, to the team and to the coaches, I don't see how you sit him. But if J.J. goes out there and has a hell of a fall camp and it's still Cade at the end of the day, then what are we doing? I, I I don't I don't understand. I don't get it. I just if if JJ is the guy we think he is, he he will be the starter. 
I we watched him play last year. I believe he's better than Cade. I can't see any scenario where you roll the ball, balls out, watch them compete in fall camp, and you're not looking at number nine like, yeah, the guy's just got it. I don't see how that can't happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm wondering, like, am I off on JJ, or does Cade just have something that they haven't shown yet that we haven't really had the opportunity to see? Is there something more there? But, yeah, man, the fact that you think it's going to be number nine or you're starting to lean that way, Woo! I did hear one of the players. I think maybe it must have been Eric All, because obviously Cade wouldn't have said it about himself, and I doubt the defensive guys would know. I'm pretty sure he said that Cade has really worked on like his explosiveness and his running a little bit, and that he hit 20 miles an hour on their testing that they do, which is like that's moving, dude. I don't. I mean, like you're not gonna ask you're not gonna ask Cade to run a lot, but and he, he's never been a statue back there. But you and I have both talked about this. It's pretty apparent that J.J. McCarthy brings an element to that that part of the offense, whether it's on design runs, keeping the ball, or his escape ability, or his breaking out of the pocket and throwing on the run. Like, I, I mean, if it, it could do that, there, there would have been no need to bring J.J. in in those situations exactly. to do it. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, clearly they did that because that was what J.J. was good at. And Cade, you know, that maybe that's not his strong suit. We've seen him scramble out of the pocket. Looks a lot different when J.J. does it. It's not, and that's the other thing I want people to understand, is it's not like a knock. Cade McNamara is an impressive guy. Good quarterback. Would start on probably most other Big Ten teams. It's just a unique situation here where you've got two quarterbacks who kind of bring different things to the table in what you think is going to be better for this type of offense. This isn't Hassan Haskins hand the ball off 45 times and just pound it. I don't think that's this kind of offense. To me, you look at all the weapons we talked about, the tight ends, in that kind of offense with that group, I feel like J.J.'s the best option to, to, make, to maximize all of that talent around him. I mean, there there were times last year when, you know, J.J. would throw the ball, like, all right, on a very simple play. I mean, I'm just thinking in my head, like, what it could look like if you've got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both on the field at the same time. So you've got them in the backfield, you split Donovan out, and all of a sudden maybe it's a, a smoke screen or a quick bubble out to Donovan, like immediately off the snap. J.J.'s live arm gets the ball to him two steps faster than Cade's does, and gives that ball carrier a chance to then make a play. When a guy's only open by a yard, it's more like three yards when JJ's throwing it. I mean, we talked about these different specific throws that he's made that dude like Cade just can't make. That's like it's it's like saying so like that guy's six eight, that guy's six two. They just are. Like they yeah. just are. One guy has a stronger arm, the other guy does like it just is. It just is those things. And you've said this many times. I've said it many times. We agree. I think there's several things that JJ McCarthy can do that Cade can't. And I don't really know if there's anything that Cade McNamara does that JJ can't do. Now, Cade played an entire season very smart, very rarely turned the ball over, and almost never took sacks. That's a big part of football that JJ McCarthy might not be as good at. We don't know, but you. It's possible. I mean, Harbaugh referenced it at Big Ten Media Days. I think he said 50% of Cade's drives resulted in a score, Points, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's something. It's not that Cade can't get the ball down the field. It's not that the offense can't score points with Cade behind center. That's that's not what we're saying. It just, this, this offensive makeup looks different this year than it looked last year. And when you look at the personnel and what they have at their disposal, it seems to suit a guy like, 
J.J. McCarthy a little bit more. And yeah, if the offensive line is good, it's not so much that if the offensive line is good, the quarterback doesn't need to, to run. Like, that's what J.J. does. He gets out of the pocket. He creates. He makes things happen that probably wouldn't happen otherwise. So Look, that's that's part of the package. It's not so much like if your offensive line is good, your quarterback doesn't need to run. There's there's read option. There's scramble. You know, there's all of that shit comes into play. There's design stuff, which yeah. then obviously the quarterback needs to run. Right. It, it doesn't matter if it's Michigan versus Southwestern Louisiana Tech State University. There are times in the game when the play breaks down and your quarterback has to get out of the pocket and do something. I mean, it, right. yes, if you've got a superior offensive line, it doesn't happen as much, but no quarterback ever, ever just stands back there all day. You got to make some plays with your legs. You got to get outside the pocket. I mean, there's a, I don't know what percentage of the playbook, but I guarantee there's a large chunk of the playbook where the quarterback is designed to move outside. Like that's, that's all right. part of it. It's all in there. So I, I just don't, I just don't really buy that as a reason why you can get by with a statue back there. Like, you can certainly tailor your offense and call some different things that play up to the strengths or avoid the weaknesses of your quarterback. But at any given day, at any given time, your quarterback's got to get outside and do some things with their feet. And we've seen JJ do it at a very high level. There's a play last year, dude, where he shucks off and, and kind of jumps out and moves away from Trayvon Walker, who just yeah. went number one overall in the NFL draft. And then JJ's looking down the field. I don't remember if he completed the pass on that play or not, but like that's already on his reel. And he hasn't even played that much football. So I think it's important that a quarterback has that. And I think it's like we said, I don't, I don't know if JJ is more turnover prone, but we know that Cade's not. And so right, like, right. there's something to be said about that. We haven't seen enough from Cade. I'm sorry, from JJ to say like, hey, he's going to throw more picks than Cade. Is he? I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is. And maybe, he, you know, the coaches do have, they do have that knowledge because they track and trace every single throw through all of practice. And so you can look at some of those numbers a little bit, but I think there's something to be said about when the lights come on and being a gamer and making plays. And I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty attractive. Chris, I wanted to throw this to you. This will kind of be where we start to wrap up. Cause I remember you saying something almost just like this last year. And I wonder if you're still in that boat as we come up on JJ McCarthy's true sophomore season. Let's say it's 50-50. I'll even move the slider a little bit. Let's say that Cade has the edge 60-40. So he has been better in fall camp, but it's not by a lot. Like I just said, they track everything. Let's say let's say that Cade's completion percentage is a little higher. He's getting six more percent points on his drives. He's turned the ball over a little less, and he's taken less sacks than JJ. But it's close. But Cade, on paper, does have a little bit of an edge. How's this question hit you? Isn't it logical then to go with the high upside guy for the future and let him develop as opposed to a player, a safe player like Cade McNamara? I think you said something almost just like this last year. And obviously we saw. Yeah, but the, but the equation has changed now. The equation has changed because Cade McNamara helped Michigan beat Ohio state and win a big Ten big 10 championship. And so even if it is by a sliver, whatever the question is, if Cade McNamara is leading the quarterback battle. I think Cade McNamara should be the guy that starts. And that's where I go back to now where JJ's had some time in this program. We think very highly of him. We think he should be the guy. And if he is who we think he is, he'll prove it during camp. And it'll be so obvious that everybody in there will see it. That's just how I see it playing out. Now, if he's not the guy, then I'm going to have concerns. Like, what is it? Is he turnover prone? Is there, is there some sort of issue there that maybe we're not aware of? Because I don't think it's the fact that Cade is so good 
see it, dude, it just sounds like, it sounds like slamming Cade all the time. And that's not what I'm trying to do. Like I walked away big 10 media days impressed, but it goes back to what we've said before. I think JJ McCarthy is capable of doing everything that Cade McNamara can do. I don't think the same can be said the other way around. I think there's certain things that JJ can do that Cade simply doesn't have in his bag of tricks. And so if, if JJ isn't the guy, you know, come week one, then there's got, maybe it is something like that. Maybe he is turnover prone in practice and, and that'll be up to us to maybe ask those questions. Like what is it yeah. specifically you're seeing in fall camp that's preventing him from, from stepping into that role? I'd really like to know. Yeah. It, it's, it's been the, it's been the topic of discussion through the whole entire summer. It's going to continue to be until September 3rd when we see either nine or 12 out yeah. there for that first snap. And we've said this before, man, you know, all the props in the world to Cade McNamara for being the starting quarterback of that Michigan team last year. But if, if JJ McCarthy is the starter, I, I, I mean, I think that's it for Cade. Right. And you want, I, he, well, yeah, he won't, I don't think he'll want to, it's not going to be like a two quarterback system. No. If, if, if JJ is the starter, because you would, you brought JJ in last year to bring an element to the field that Cade didn't have. Well, if JJ's already out there, I, there's nothing to bring Cade in for. I mean, well, I, let me yeah. ask you that. If, if yeah. it was the other way around, like we know, let's, this is, I know we're getting a little bit long here, but I want to ask you this. If JJ was the starter, let's say the roles were reversed and JJ was the starting guy. We know what you bring JJ in for off the bench so he can run, you know, the, the, the read action or the, the play action or whatever the hell pass or runs he was going to run. What is it that you would bring in Cade McNamara for? Like if, if, he stayed with the program and you go with JJ and he's your QB one. What specific packages are you bringing Kate in for? That's what, I'm, that's my point. Nothing. There's nothing. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of take issue with this comment a little bit because I don't think anything that we're saying suggests that we're not supporting Cade. It, it's, it's not a, it's not a not supporting Cade thing at all. The question is, if Cade beats right. Iowa by 20, will we support If I Cade support beats Iowa by 20, then I I might be inclined to think that if J.J. were back there, it could have been 30 or 40. So, no, I, I don't think that, that that makes a difference. And it's not about supporting Cade or not supporting Cade. It's just – it's yeah, that's not it, what it is. Yeah, it goes back to bags of tricks and what certain guys bring to the table. And we just think the offense can be better, or at least that's how I feel, think the offense can be better with, with a more dynamic quarterback behind center. That's just – what it is maybe we can i mean dude you were you were in the pool with him i mean you were you were having direct conversation with jim harbaugh like yeah jim go down the slide head first i'm gonna be right here to get you yeah. chris why don't you just get us into practice just let yeah. it i mean talk to jim this weekend yeah get I'll hit him up practice and, him uh, and we'll let you guys know why one guy's starting and the other one's not we'll have that we'll have that a week we'll work on it yeah, we'll get that for you guys. No, I mean, like, no coaches opening up practice that much. I wish we could see a little bit. We, it wouldn't matter. I mean, if, if Michigan did let us come to practice, we wouldn't see anything like that anyway. But right. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just – I find myself very excited about this team, Chris. You and I, we kind of went through what the starting lineup might look like on defense, and we were both – we kind of, like, when we got done rattling it off, we kind of looked at each other, and we were like – Damn, dude, like this defense could be really freaking good. Like, yeah. I think it would be really good. I'm about to put an article out probably tomorrow 
some kind of like behind the scenes intel that we got from a couple defensive players about the defense in particular, how it could look different, what they're thinking, like what their mentality is coming into this year. And one thing that I thought was really interesting, and we'll close with this, Chris, was the fact that, I mean, it's a really good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. When you've got David David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson on your ends and they're coming after the quarterback on every play, you do it. You do it. But we learned that it kind of took chunks of the playbook out because no, there was no, there was none, almost virtually zero times did they drop Aiden or Ojabo into coverage, which would confuse the offensive line and allow some second level blitzing and allow those speedy linebackers like Junior Colson, like Mike Barrett, like Nikai Hill Green to come downhill and work on some pass rushing stuff from the second level. You work in some twists and stunts with those guys up front. You've got a very versatile piece in Chris Jenkins, a couple very versatile pieces in Jalen Harrell and Mike Morris, and a couple of big-bodied dudes like Mozzie Smith and Kenneth Grant and Rayshon Benny. And, and you start to understand, like, damn, like, as good as Ojabo and Hutchinson were, you'd be stupid not to not to send them every time. And so because of that, you can kind of plan for it. Now, obviously, they're just really good. And they got Ohio State good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. They got 26 sacks, so it's dumb to ask them to drop in the car. Like, you and I and every fan out there would be like, why the hell is Aiden Hutchinson in pass coverage? Send him to go get the quarterback. But now that you've got some guys who maybe aren't as one-dimensional, and I hate saying that because it makes it sound like those guys can't do something else, but they when they absolutely can, it was really interesting to hear that from some defensive players who are going to be on the field a lot saying that they're able to do a little bit more this year and they're a little bit more multiple and they can disguise some things a little bit better and that you might see this defense do some things they just didn't do in 2021. So, dude, across the board, talent everywhere, depth everywhere. We'll talk about that on the next podcast, maybe where Michigan is deepest and where they're not as deep. I mean, dude, they seemingly have 40 dudes who can play wide receiver. Yep. And maybe just a couple who are playing D tackle. So, like, that would be one area where we could focus on a little bit. But, dude, again, to kind of put a bow on all this, the trip around the state, Big Ten media days, talking to these guys, Chris diving in the pool with his camera, dude. Full, I mean, fully clothed. I took the Yeezys off. That was all Bahama I had time Mama, for. Bahama Mama's flowing. I don't know, dude. This has been a this has been a really incredible, really cool stretch, like a week, and now we're just a few days away from fall camp. Yeah, I like I said before, just I walk away from these things every time I get home, and I sit back and I'm loading up the videos. Just always, always grateful for the people that that support us because again, without that support, we're not in Mackinac, we're not in Indy, we're not in Grand Rapids, we're not in Muskegon, we're not in Flint, we're not in Lansing. Like these people allow us to do that stuff, man. And I'm just so grateful for it. And you know, the interaction on the show, we've been going now for almost an hour, 45 minutes and the questions and comments keep coming in. It's just, it's incredible, man. I love it. Amen, dude. Amen to that. I just, I had, I had a list of things I wanted to get to. I didn't know how long it was going to take, but it just didn't really make sense to stop it. After we just kind of got back from the trip yesterday, we can put a bow on everything and tie it all up. And now the next show yeah. that we do, I don't know, maybe we'll have a little intel from fall camp. Maybe we'll have an availability between now and then. I'm not really sure what the schedule is for the team, but they get it going in four days, man. And they kick off the season in less than 40 days. And the NFL preseason is in five days. And there's some week zero games a week before. I mean, football is here, dude. 
Football's here. I'm excited, man. I couldn't be more excited about it. And after this last week, it went up even another level. So thank you to everybody out there for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Echo Chris's sentiments about giving us the support and asking the questions and doing all this stuff, man. It's been it's been unreal for a little stretch here. And now we're going to power down a little bit. We're going to go into standby. I also found out that standby for Chris means immediately passing out and sleeping for 10 hours. Twice on this trip, he would be, you know, he's got the TV going, the lights. Just a little shut eye. I'm like, hey, dude, are you good? Are you going to bed? He's like, ah, just a little standby. I'd see him the next day, like 10 hours later, out. So there you go. Your boy needs his rest. Yes, Darren, back Wednesday at 7. Yes, sir. Wednesday at 7. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We've outlasted our outro music again. We'll see you next week.